And now, a public service announcement from renowned virologist Dr. Cassandra Rayleigh of the CDC. The number one recommendation on how to stave this off is to wash your hands. And people, instead of just washing their hands, are like trying to buy $200 Purell online and masks. Just wash your hands. Wash your hands better, people. Yeah. Get your hands out of your face and in your eyeballs, you sickos. Welcome back to Word of the Witnesses, our 12 Monkeys Rewatch podcast. As always, a reminder that this is a rewatch podcast, meaning we've seen every episode and we spoil early, often, and always. Today we have an amazing treat for you guys. You're about to hear me, Beep, and Cece speaking to Emily Hampshire, Amanda Shule, Terry Metalis, and Sean Tretta. This is quite a conversation that focuses mostly on Deglaca, but also on just some big themes of monkeys that I'm sure you guys will enjoy. So let me not delay you. Here's our interview with the cast and writers. Thank you guys so much for making time in the middle of a pandemic uh, to talk 12 monkeys. (laughs) This must be a kind of a weird couple weeks, especially for all of you who have told a story about a pandemic. Have you guys sort of had any big picture thoughts about that? Just having told a story about this? Well, I I just literally did I not just ask you, hey, should what should I stock for if like food wise if this happens? Um, Yeah. But you would ask that question anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But then also, I um, uh, I I mean, I I you know how you showed me the like we watched the webisode recently. Some someone sent us this webisode that Terry did, kind of like really specifically about a virus. Even though I know the show is about a virus, but anyways, I was like, it, it didn't even occur to me until right then when I watched it. And I was like, oh my god. This is like, I actually was worried. I'm like, can I post this? Because it's actually what's happening in the world. And um, I wasn't sure if that was too confronting. But Terry was like, yeah, post it. Um, well, it's like it's like post- Sean said, it's the press we always wish we had. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we jokingly. woke up this morning. Yeah, jokingly. He said. Um, but the, the, that article that came out this morning that was on uh, NBC.com by, by Dahlia Schweitzer, she's... I mean, the first line of the article is about the show, um, and this and this thing that I didn't, I wasn't aware that the head of the CDC actually said it's not about if, it's about when, which was Kathy's first line in the entire series. Um, so yeah, it's crazy. crazy. Yeah, I ran into uh, Richard Robbins, who was a writer on uh, season one and two last week, and uh, at a big meeting of our writers' union. And uh, immediately we saw each other. I hadn't seen him for a couple of years. And we went to shake hands. It's like, eh, maybe not. <laughs> um, after sp- But we literally spent, you know, two, well, a good year and a half, like just constantly being obsessed with how like easy it is for these things to sort of happen and how out of control it gets. And it's uh, a little scary. Yeah. I'm in Atlanta, right by the CDC. So I don't know if I'm like better or worse off than everybody else. I don't think it's better. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that Walking Dead episode. It did yeah. not go well. 
Um, was there was a little bit of, and maybe this was just fun, but there any any thoughts about maybe doing a little webisode where Jennifer Goines, the expert at surviving an apocalypse, and Dr. Rayleigh give some tongue and cheek oh tips. God. Oh my god! Uh, yeah. There is now. I, there is that's a good idea. Oh my god, Jerry, that's such a good idea. Actually, it's really easy to shoot because it's just like a straight camera video diary, like YouTube mornings from Markridge. Oh my God, but also, what if Jennifer's shopping for masks and she can't find any like I did? <laughs> <laughs> and then, or like, what if she's shopping for like hand sanitizer and it's nowhere, so she makes her own out of like alcohol and then she gets real dry hands, like I've gotten real dry hands from constant washing. And that's all right. the things we're all really suffering with right now, dry hands. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's fantastic. Do so I have your Markridge glasses? Oh my god, yes I do. Yes I do. Oh my god, I have Terry, I really actually like I feel like we should just end this down and go do this. Right. <laughs> That's fine. We can reschedule. If yeah, we we accept. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We were just really excited you guys were coming on to talk about well, we'll be talking about a big picture things too, but Deglaca so I don't know if you had a chance to rewatch it or just thinking about how it turned out and audience reactions to it, even, you know, two years later after it aired, did you guys have any idea that you sort of had this magic in a bottle as you were making it? Or did it feel a little risky at the time? Uh, I mean, I, oh boy, super risky. <laughs> it was, uh, <laughs> this was probably the hardest one to write in the make uh, because everybody kind of had their own version of it in their head. Um, And Sean and I had a very specific feeling about it that we wanted to capture. Um, And uh, it was actually one of these things where I I kind of failed as a showrunner to communicate to the room what I was going for because I referred to it as a romp, which it still feels like a romp to me, even, even though it's, you know, tense. Um, but 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 I think tonally it was it was a, a hard needle to thread for for the for the room. So um, and I was spending. I mean, I was just living on set in Toronto, and the room was in Los Angeles. So I would call in, and um, yeah, it was it was real it was real tricky. And then finally, it really kind of came down to the wire, and um, I just got on the phone with Sean. I'm like, Sean, you just need to come up to Toronto. We just need to haul away and, and, and do this because, and then and yeah. for better, for worse, who knows how it's going to turn out. But well, at least we have a feeling like it, it. And that was the thing. It was like, uh, you know, it was basically a comedy at one point, like a noises off, like, you know, it was hey. very like almost Mel Brooksy. Like we're having fun behind the scenes at a big Nazi party. And uh, <laughs> that's really not what we wanted. Um, and so I, we got there in Toronto. We were shooting this stuff at the 12 Monkeys Mansion where um, yeah. young Olivia meets Rayleigh. And we were upstairs and it was, and we literally had like a weekend, I think, maybe like a week and a half or something. But it was, um, I remember us putting the scenes on cards and rearranging and like upstairs while downstairs they're they're shooting that very important, you know, mythology moment. Um, but yeah, the actual draft of this, I think we wrote in like four days. Yeah. With Sean did a lot of the heavy lifting. It was, it was, uh, yeah. And, and the famous Cassie moment was something that Sean 
put in the script, um, you know, when she comes out in Nazi lingerie and guns down. And it was one of these things that was like, it's, it's I don't know if we're going to be able to pull that off, but let's keep it in the script and we'll talk about it later. And um, mostly because I wanted to see how Amanda felt about it, because I think, well, we'll, we'll get into the, um, the reaction among amongst women in a, in a moment, but it, uh, we certainly didn't think it was um, um, misogynistic or, or whatever. Um, but it could have been taken that way, I think. And so, but I knew it was going to work when Amanda's like, I so came up to me. She was like, I, so when do I start trying on my lingerie for the, and I, with the Nazi yeah. thing, I'm like, really? You're cool with this? And she's like, yeah, why not? I mean, we've never. I had her as my sex- screensaver for on my phone for a while. Her and her Nazi um, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and it, we never sexualized any of the characters on the show because it just wasn't that show. You know, I've spoken about it before. Like, it, it, it never, it never felt like a sexy show because the stakes were too high. It was like to take a moment and mm-hmm. just kick, kiss and screw. Felt like. You know, it had to be earned. So if we ever did it, it was like, you know, it wasn't going to be like Deacon and Jennifer just sneaking off for a quick Ew. one. Um, yeah. yeah, it was, you know, it felt like at this point, we really wanted to see everybody sort of use their superpower. And then it, and it <laughs> felt like this is the one where we got to see everyone at sort of their peak, doing the peak of what we've sort of grown to love about them. And I think Kathy's thing has always been... Um, her sort of like Careful. ability to surprise everyone. Okay. And so, I thought um, you were going to say our superpower is coming out in a hot, not too hot. No, it's it, okay. for Cassie to do something that was sort of shocking that yeah. we don't expect. Like for her to really get out of that, you know, comfort zone of who she was when we first mm-hmm. met her in the first season. <laughs> yeah, and she's having fun. Like the look on her face yeah. after is just so right. I mean, you know, Je- we usually get to have so much fun with Jennifer and Cassie's had a. Everyone's had a rough go of it, but she's had a really rough go of it for four seasons. So, yeah. Now, um, Emily, when you either had a conversation with Terry or Sean, I read in the script that you were going to be singing Pink to Hitler. What was your reaction? Um, I mean, I've I've never been happier. Um, I did ask, I, I think my second question was, well, but do I, I have to kill Hitler? Like, I can't remember what, that was before I read it, but like, I think, weren't we talking about that, Terry? And we were talking about it, and it's like, you, you said, like, yeah, if you have a time machine, that's what you, you kind of said Jennifer's line to me, like, that, that's what you do when you kill Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, this is actually our, our second version of killing Hitler, if you remember. Right. Okay, so so right, so uh, back when, in, remember when Jennifer did all her guardian, her guardian, yeah. she was doing all the Jennifer plays yeah. back in the twenties. The idea yeah. was how they found her was uh, Jones was was combing through history. Me- she has the injection, so she can she would be able to see yeah. the time, the time change. But go ahead, Sean. I was just to say, so it, it, it starts off. Uh, it, it's Jones and Adler and Lasky, and they're all sitting around together, and they've all they've been up for forty eight hours, and they're combing through all these historical documents, looking for something, and and they're falling asleep, and and Jones is like, you know, go ahead, uh, go to sleep, you know, don't worry, uh, you know, despite my uh, despite my heritage, I am not uh, Hitler, 
and uh, you both here get some rest. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then uh, and then Lasky and Abner are like, what? And she's like, you know, Hitler, the Fuhrer, the the, the bastard Nazi. Of, and then they're like, oh, he was that guy, I think, who was like in charge before Himmler took over. And she's like, what are you talking about? And then we cut to, they pull up something on the big screen. And it's this historical footage of Hitler in the 30s at some rally or something. And all of a sudden his head explodes and the camera pans mm. and we find Jennifer in the crowd pointing at the camera going like, come get me, come get me. And that's how we found out that Jennifer was stuck somewhere in the 20s. Um, <laughs> killed Hitler to send a message through time to Jones. Um, yeah. but instead, I wrote an album. Both equally important things. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, but that was like one of the greatest moments of my life. I feel like, well, like my personal, I don't know, uh, checklist, bucket list of things I didn't even know I wanted in the bucket were, I got so many of those on 12 Monkeys and definitely, I mean, singing pink, you <laughs> in your head, like specifically that song, which I don't know if people know what that's about, but it's, it's about Hitler and his hand. Um, and just singing it to Hitler and then like it was the greatest thing ever. Also, I would like to note though that even though that's pink songs, those are my proprietary dance moves. <laughs> <laughs> Have you had already like any concerns or potential lawsuits over that? <laughs> I just like, I don't know. I, I think some people might be doing it in private and even <laughs> that is is a violation. So no, I agree. I was yeah. there ever a debate as to whether Hitler was going to show up in this episode? Mm, no, the, the, uh, no, because I think what solidified the episode, my, my whole thing is I just never wanted to see his face. I never wanted to see another actor do it. It like took away from like it, seeing a real person. I don't know. It could tear you out of a time travel thing. Like, you know, I mean, here's the one where they cross with Thomas Edison, which you totally <laughs> on the show, like Jennifer <laughs> and Thomas Edison, you know, but it, it like, what's the level at which said like Jennifer meets Thomas Edison. And I was like, that would be a really fun cartoon. Anyway, sorry. Okay. That's it. Really yeah, good so educational history cartoon. Okay. We, we have developed a cartoon uh, for Jennifer. <laughs> Uh, and and Jones and there is concept art and things that we just never got around to do. But I don't know. I think we'll come back to it. But the point of this yeah. this um, whole thing was that um, it, it the idea that um, there was a Operation Valkyrie happening within the French Resistance to take out Hitler, but it it stopped our ability to save the world and get the bell. Um, so we had to stop Operation Valkyrie and save Hitler, which is the opposite of what you do with the time machine. I think when we came into that in the room, Sean, and correct me wrong, uh, mm -hmm. uh, if I'm wrong, uh, that was the moment where we're like, we have to do this episode. And there was uh, like a hot minute, like it was going to be a heist too. And yeah. in John Rogers, uh, who is a huge fan of the show, who is the showrunner on, um, um, what is it? His heist show that's coming back now. Leverage. Um, leverage. Yes. And so, uh, so we did like, we did a, a break that was like leverage and whatnot. And then ultimately this week came with a more simple, gritty, uh, take on, you know, uh, yeah. on 
gone wrong. I, I think what it was like originally, I think there was some sort of resistance to have to have the French resistance storyline because like, oh, well, it's making it too complicated. And, and and for me, it was like, no, that's the complication you want. That's what makes these these, you know, high stakes sort of things fun is that they are so complicated and that they are so many hats on a hats and and you have to improv and think quickly and, and everybody's sort of working at their peak sort of, uh, you know, ability. Um, but I, I do want to I do want to go back to the you and your hand thing. Because um, there was a moment where this wasn't a thing, and we were, you know, we were piecing this together from some, you know, previous ideas and, and drafts and things like that, and 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 then it became sort of its own thing. But um, there was a notion at one point that Jennifer, I think, was going to do a song from The Sound of Music, and I remember sitting there, and, and it was just like. And I just remember going, you know, it just the the tone of this doesn't have energy that like we want everyone else to be like playing off of. And I and I said that to Terry, and Terry's like, well, you know, uh, originally I wanted it to be this pink song, but you know, everybody else talked talked me out of it. I'm like, we have to do that. Like it, it became like I literally was laughing writing some of that oh. stuff listening to that song like this is going to be amazing it also transforms yeah. the whole i mean when you talk about the concern that you had with how uh, cassie's laundry scene would be taken i think the song is crucial for that you know because the song yeah. is a feminist anthem um yeah. and yeah. so with her dressed so up badass. she's so badass in it because i it is a feminist thing like i think when people are like, oh, Cassie, and I don't think many people said this, but I think the fear was that, like, Cassie coming out in Hitler lingerie, like, Nazi lingerie um, was going to be um, misogynistic or whatever, but it, it was so the opposite. It was such a powerful moment for Cassie, kind of like turning it on its head. What's interesting the most about it, and, 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 I'm, and in, in no ways am I saying they are or were incorrect, um, but the 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 women writers in the room did not like this did not just thought we were we had gone uh that it that it was not a feminist uh moment um and so i i personally was sweating it out all the way through airing um because everyone i showed it to and certainly amanda and emily would always get like a, a preview before we aired it and um, and, and our uh, studio and network were, um, execs were predominantly made up of women. And it, so it, it, everyone was signing off, but you never truly know if like, you just missed something. But uh, yeah, I, 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 it's the thing I hear the most, I think, from female fans uh, that, that they respond to this episode. Um, so I'm grateful for that. Yeah, and the Cassie moment was really born out of the song. Like once you were hearing that song over the scenes, like that's what inspired that. That was never a part of the the script until that you know song beat. And, until we committed to that, then it seemed to just it actually seemed to write those scenes. It was, uh, it's been a delight that people enjoy it, specifically women. I think one of the, it, it, this is one of those things that, you know, when you guys were writing it as opposed to when it airs, 
you know, that scene is in the context of an episode, you know, no offense to Cole and Deacon, but it's, it's, it's Jones and Jennifer and Cassie that get stuff done <laughs> in this episode. And, you know, like yeah. in from Jones having, you know, in Cassie's words, big balls and facing off, right. Or telling off a Nazi um, to obviously sort of those, um, the juxtaposed moments with Jennifer and Cassie, there's a real world. Women are watching that in the real world. And maybe it hasn't been such a great past two years for women <laughs> in the world. And I think that might be also one of the reasons why we're fist pumping along with it, which is one of those things, of course, you can't predict about when things are going to air. Um, did you have any, you have a line in the episode that Joan says that is um, underestimating this evil is what allowed it to take root in the first place. And that line hits hard nowadays. Is that anything you guys sort of had in mind or is it all sort of just happy coincidence that it kind of resonates in that way? I mean, like, you know, for us, I think when, when we wrote this, I mean, for one, if it feels like it's a fun episode, it's because we were having fun writing it. Like we were, um, you know, we were so, we were literally breaking the last few episodes of, um, you know, putting everything together for the entire series. And we were burnt out. We were tired. And it's stressful trying to figure out how to connect all these pieces. And this is one where it's just like, if we are just literally having, the fun is just complete translating. Um, but I, I think like, you know, killing Nazis should always be a thing. And, you know, <laughs> I think when, when we wrote it, it was, you know, it, it felt like we were still someone under that understanding that, you know, these are, um, these are the bad guys. I mean, Terry and I would walk around in that set and you look up at those giant banners and it's like, you know, as kids who grew up watching Raiders of the Lost Ark and stuff like that, it's almost like, you know, and I said this to, to Barbara, I said, I gotta be honest with you. It, it almost feels like being in the Death Star right now because it's, it's just so arch evil that it almost becomes Cartoonish. Comic bookie. And, yeah. Yeah. Cartoonish. Yeah. And, and for Barbara, she was having actual anxiety seeing those banners hung up there because she, she was like, you, you know, but you understand that from my perspective, this is, you know, this is something I lived with and this is something that like is part of, you know, it, it's ingrained in where I'm from as being this, you know, tremendous horror. And so there was some fun in, in vilifying this terrible thing. Um, and it's awful. Like, you know, in Arizona last week, somebody unfurled a, a Nazi banner at Bernie Sanders rally. It's like, these are things that were supposed to be relics of the past that we could look back on as the ultimate examples of evil. And now it's, now it's muddy. Yeah. Right. Um, was the, before we move in, just the background, it, it's so genius. Are we understanding, do, are we understanding this correctly? The climb the steps, ring the bell is sort of a placeholder line that you guys inserted in season one. And then you figured out what it was all going to mean later. It wasn't that placeholdery. Uh, I had, uh, Emily, you remember the first time you. Yeah. And I actually, I think I, this is coming from, I, I said it, I asked. Because I always thought you knew what that was and you just didn't tell me. You were like, just say this. And I was climbing up those stairs at the, the no, I knew when I was, was dirty, Jennifer. Okay, that's what I thought. Who said you didn't know? Somebody said this online. Oh, no, yeah. um, <laughs> oh I, I think it was Chris or something. But no, I oh, knew. Oh, yeah, it was um, 
no, I did know. I knew. Here's what I, I knew enough that uh, this goes deeper into the making of the show. So um, the the church in which the the medieval time machine stood was always. Uh, I, always something I wanted to go to, it, maybe not exactly in that way, but the idea that there was some kind of temple that either existed outside of time, or which was in, almost the case in season four, or um, in deep, deep in the future, that Cole would eventually have to go to, and um, that that you'd ha- that there would be these stairs and you'd have to ring this bell that would do something and blah blah blah. That's about as much as I knew um, at that moment. So I was like, just say this thing, um, and uh, and you did, and it's in there. So <laughs> yes. that's about as far as I knew at that point. And that was at season one, where every <clears throat> I remember we shot that on the stairs, and you added that. Yes. Meanwhile, the entire crew is not quite used to the show and, and the pace and all the story that we jam into things. And everybody was going like, Oh, we're totally going to cut this scene. This scene's never going to. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, I remember yeah. That, actually. yeah. I Boy, totally remember that. Yeah. Because we were like behind or something and people, and we were just doing what that was, what just, I found so fun about it. But then, yeah. Oh God, I remember that. I mean, you know what? It's interesting, Sean, because it's like I do. I think back at like how young we were, especially to like how we mm-hmm. feel now. But how we, look we were, yeah. well, and we look now too. But we were we were treated often as the dumb kids who somehow got a television show, and mm. uh, and they were like, uh, "You don't even know that you're gonna cut this." And I was like, "Fuck you! I'm not cutting this scene. This is gonna be the whole point of the whole fourth season, <laughs> motherfucker." Um, uh, but but there was that, and like it, so the, it was frustrating. Uh, and I mean, I I know Sean, um, and and these people all, everyone. We we had a wonderful team of amazing collaborators. But early on in season one, there really was a sense of these kids you can't do that. Know what they're, yeah, these yeah. you can't do that, well, and can't, you don't know what you're doing. You're just kids. I even remember I was thinking about this the other day. I couldn't believe that you guys you weren't the showrunner of season one. And like, cause they had what the that um the Natalie Chaidez and yeah and that so it's just so weird to me to say and not like she did the great job or whatever but like even she was like it was your show and it you guys were like you had you knew everything about it and so I think they didn't realize that um when they uh, did this show that just because you hadn't been a showrunner before that you weren't the showrunner of this show. Like you weren't the kind of create world creator and knew everything. And now I'm making you sound like God, but you were God of the, tw- the monkey. I am. 12 of them. Um, <laughs> the, you know, Natalie was great about, about that. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it's your show. Go, go, go run with it. And so I, 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 what she did let me run it, but um, I didn't, I didn't use that authority like I was still, you still rely on the advice of, of counsel, you know, throughout heavily a lot more when before it's like officially in your hands. Um, and I'd never done it before. So when they say to you, we can't have rain in this scene, we're not going to do it, even though you know for sure it would make it the coolest thing ever. You're like, oh, we, oh, you say we can't afford it. We can't. And then you find out you gave money back to the studio. 
the next season. Well, then, then you're furious and you're like, all right, okay. Uh, you, you got me when I was young. You'll never get me again. Um, yeah. Sean, and then you were like, yeah, we can have speaking, rain and. Uh, oh yeah. I mean, that was, that was really the thing. And, it, and it's weird. Cause like maybe perhaps when you look back at the timeline, it's called monkeys, like, you know, adding the line, climb the steps, ring the bell. That it really is that time frame when everything changed. Cause we were making, shown in and it was the first time I had come up to set and you know I remember asking you like who is in charge here now because <laughs> you know like the because you know Michael Ray who is our producer who you know season one was the no guy and by the end of it was like we can do anything guy and we loved him um yeah you know he you know, there was a lot of pushback on things and and I was trying to protect what you know what we wrote and I remember Terry Kane, he's like, look, I think Natalie's like officially, unofficially, officially stepped away. So it's me now. And it's like, okay, now I have some context <laughs> for things. And that's when we started to, to, you know, kind of fight for things because, you know, before we were deferring for certain things. And then, it, then that, I think that's when it like became 12 monkeys. Like, you know, all right, now, now the, the crazy people are in charge. The crazy people in charge, and you know, it specifically speak for Emily. There was some, there was a quality in Emily that that uh, that that I wanted for Jennifer that that nobody liked. Nobody nobody quite understood. Well, I think in the beginning, no one understood, and so you know, I think that in the first time you play Jennifer, I mean, I remember, I remember almost like that first day, a lot, like a lot of like crying. by heart. I can tell you the whole day. When what? And the director was like, you know, just say the line. And there I was going. And walk well, from here to there. Yeah. And I was like, no, no, that, but that's not, that's what's not going to, that's not what's going to make this work. She needs to be able to breathe and improvise and, and be Emily Hampshire. And so, um, so I, I mean, I was, I made sure I was always on set for a Jennifer scene because, and, and just speaking of the crazy ones in charge, I'd be like, okay, now let her do whatever she wants. Now, just like, yep. or she, she'd ad lib a line and be like, "Oh my god, that's the greatest line ever!" Keep, you know, go, go, go even farther. Um, the, that yeah. was, I will never forget that first day because so that first day was also the entire my entire uh, scene, the uh, second episode, which was Jennifer's kind of introduction into the show, and um, well, like her first, you know, the that the mental hospital and everything. Um, and it was everything in that episode it was my first day. And I also wasn't used to doing a TV show. Like I was used to doing like indie movies where people would, like you'd go onto set and like you do what you kind of felt like in a certain way. And then you talk about it and stuff. But this was like, and this is no fault of my director. He, he, but he definitely was like, okay, so you start here and, and then like, just say the lines, just say the lines. Are there. And I, oh my God, I was, I, I was crying a lot and tear and it definitely, I remember from that day, it was like that you were a always there. And because you had told me something in my audition, I remember you were like, well, the screen does something. You're like, I promise I'll always let you at least have one where you can where you can like do whatever and because I don't know we I think we both felt that was important and and then the, when you did let me improvise it was always kind of from um from an uneducated place like the unicorn 
she would, Jerry right. would always let the camera keep rolling. And when I was naming extinct animals, I was like, next, we're going to save the unicorn. And then I kept going. And then after I heard this laughing and like, Jerry's like, you know, that the unicorn isn't an extinct animal, right? <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and that's the day I learned that unicorns, some people think yeah, they never by the way. That that outtake is actually on the Blu-rays. Uh, no. The and, you, and then you go, fucking Terry, right on stage in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys know oh offhand God. what some of the uh, ad-libbed lines were that made it into the show? Oh, God, there's so many. I mean, I Sean, I mean, I don't... A Jennifer yeah. moment. Oh, oh. So these are my best friends. They're, they're like my best friends. Yeah. <laughs> that. I told you to say that. That wasn't an ad lib. An ad lib line from Jennifer would be. I, I think that's uh, all of them. <laughs> all of them. Yeah. All, well, she, I remember that differently, but yeah. Okay. So I go. Usually, when you're like manic. Oh, okay. Uh, would be uh, okay. The the Emerson Hotel bit when, oh, when you're yeah. at the hotel. <laughs> the, that's all Emily checking into a hotel. Um, <laughs> you're breaking you your <laughs> Uh, may I please uh, speak to oh, the manager? Yeah. I really just want to speak to the manager, please. No. Uh, wait, wait, what is? No, what was it? You break There's it, like a whole scene. You break it, you buy it. Oh yeah, yeah you break yeah. it, you buy it. <laughs> <laughs> that whole yeah, thing. but your additions were like something. Oh, it was. I don't know. Did this end up in the thing? Because I was so offended. You were like double wrapped in something about a condom. Oh no, the, like, the, but the like, dude. The, yeah, that's in there. The guy said that. He's like, I, I don't Oh, I thought I was so offended. <laughs> Ooh, gross. Ugh, I can't. Ugh. Okay. Yeah, but it, it was the kind of hotel you bring a hooker to. Oh, so okay. That's why you, you double bag it. Ooh. I don't know whose line that was. I've never heard that before. Someone else came up with that. As long as we're talking about PSAs, about viruses and stuff, that's actually not helpful. <laughs> so don't do that. <laughs> I mean, just, just as we're talking about Jennifer, I mean, one of the – this is such a fun stretch of episodes because we just get to have oh, so much fun. But Jennifer doesn't have her powers in these episodes. And so when one of the things I love kind of going back and rewatching Diglaka in particular, and of course, we're like singing along and having so much fun with her. It's also like a big confidence moment for her. You know, like this isn't about her powers. This isn't being able that she sees through time or interpreting images. This is just the woman we started this journey with who had a lot of self-doubt, has been sort of on this journey of believing in herself and stepping on the stage and basically giving Hitler the finger. Um, do you have any, do you guys have any thoughts sort of just about where, I don't know, like Jennifer's journey overall um, and maybe about where this part, because this is just really about her and her belief in herself, if that makes sense. I love that. It's, yeah. What, I actually, you go yeah. I was just gonna say, like, it, it, uh, she's definitely the most courageous character because she doesn't, she does have some, um, she does believe in herself, but kind of not really. She's operating with so much doubt, yet it's, you know, wanting to help her friends and wanting to, you know, that's what pushes her through. It's just she, she reaches down into this, this well of courage that, you know, 
Um, and that's what I noticed most in the rewatch is that, wow, she's like the real, not just the thing she does, but just how she emotionally gets herself to places where she can do this stuff is, is really the most, I think, impressive thing about it. Um, and it's not well, that she's you, not afraid. It's just she's doing it despite being afraid. Yes. And, and I think it's because she's always doing it for, like you said, for her friends and for someone like other than her. And I think in like, I don't know, I feel this way that when I find it very hard to stand up for myself, but if somebody like I can defend my friend to the end, like, so, and I feel like Jennifer is very that, that her bravery and courage just come from a place where it's for Cole or for, for her friend Cassie. Like she is that hero in a way that she doesn't even, the, a, a very reluctant hero. Um, but like, it's because it's not for her that she can do it. But it's cool too, though, that she trusts them so much, you know, like in the, in the moment when she, falls back off the subway platform because she's just like, I mean, I guess Cole's going to be there. There's such a, a spontaneity about Jennifer where even though she has the self-doubt, it's almost like she considers that afterward. Like, we just have to do this and then we'll sort it all out oh. later. Yeah, I miss Jennifer. We all do. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, every what you all were just talking about actually r- reminds me of the John Donne poem that Jones quotes from at the end. Um, you know, no man is an island. And I mean, I think in some ways, you know, our good guys win because they're doing it for each other as much as they're doing mm-hmm. it f- for this, you know, for the world, all of that. It's really they're willing to put themselves on the line for each other. And, you know, what Ethan said to Olivia, you're going to lose because you're alone. Um, and it, it, yeah, just if you guys have any sort of oh, thoughts true. about that, because the, the, the John Donne poem, you all, that Jones reads from at the end, it's really, it's really beautiful, but it just seems to tie into sort of a larger theme of the show. Uh, yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that because, you know, Chris Monfett is on the show that I'm running now, the uh, Star Trek Picard season two. And he suggested that poem for something where we're like, what, what could Picard quote? And, you know, anything Patrick Stewart says. And then, um, and I was like, wait a minute, I feel like we've used this before. And then I was realized, <laughs> oh, <he's laughs> ripping off, ripping off ourselves. <laughs> um, it does fit um, perfectly that- though. Cause mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It, you know, I do this, love episode, this episode was really the last time we could like the gang could be together, love each other and have fun before it gets really bad because from by the next episode on, it's not particularly fun, even though we go to the medieval times and there's a couple of jokes here and there specifically with, with Jennifer. <laughs> it mostly, it, it gets really dark um, before it gets any better. So um, that poem being about the family that, um, and 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 that's you know and then Stephen Barton's uh, music that scene he wrote for for the Twelve Monkeys family comes up. It, it is it is I think where the show is 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 at its best. I think is that is that group um, at the end listening to Barbara read that poem. I mean, there's really nothing any nothing better. I probably won't do anything better than than that. Um, yeah. Well, because you know how I don't really still after four seasons of time travel and stuff like that is very difficult for me to wrap my head around. But what um, I think resonates so much for 
everyone is that thing of, of family. Like, and, and it doesn't mean family that's like your blood family. It's like any kind of the, the family that is, is there for you. And that's like your chosen family or your friend family or whatever. But like, I think that's in the end what it became. Yeah. This episode, I just wanted to ask um, really quickly just about the filming of it. I mean, from the opening scene where everybody is lined up in front of that, it looks like a chateau. It it looks like a film. It is just a production a, value. Yeah, like yeah, the costumes, the cinematography. I mean, it just if you think back, going back to season one, as much as I love season one, like this is just a beautiful episode of TV. So, do you do you all have any stories about what it was like to film in this big house and dressed up in these amazing costumes? Because even the even the French maid costume is awesome. Um, well, like, I do have a very vivid recollection of walking into that room with, and it does her, but with those, uh, the, like, Nazi symbols, those big flags that came down, and it was just, like, being on set and seeing all the extras and everyone dressed in these, like, you really felt like you were back in time, and because we were in Prague, and, like, it just, it takes you there, and it was so, I could, I've never been on something that looked so expensive and wasn't <laughs> right <laughs> i mean it we you know we scattered that in prague and it's really hard to find a place that one had you know architecture that could be considered sort of french um that had a big enough ballroom that had back hallways with side rooms that had a basement um and then interesting grounds outside it was it was tough to find we looked at about seven of them and a lot of them had like, oh my God, it's an amazing ballroom or, but it didn't have back hallways and it didn't have a basement and someplace that great basement and great hallways and then a tiny. So it was just, you know, we were very lucky to find this place. Um, it's not on screen, but in one of the rooms, it's a giant alligator, like a stuffed alligator. <laughs> just random. Why would that not be on screen? That's crazy. Uh, yeah, what a waste. <laughs> There's enough stuff crammed into this episode, but yeah, in another world, perhaps that alligator is someplace. Do you have one of those at your place, Emily? <laughs> if I'd known about that alligator, I don't know why no one, t- probably no one told me about that because they knew I would take that home with me. <laughs> Thinking it was like on set and just taking it. It was like yeah. Um, yeah. feet long. It's huge. There's a couple, I mean, it, it was pretty crazy. Uh, like if you took an Instagram photo of, you know, uh, any of our Nazi extras and just put on a black and white filter, it looked legitimately like uh, a vintage pick. But, you know, one of the other uh, tidbits that I, I don't know if people know is that, uh, is, what's, is, what's the name of the character, Sean? The, uh, Barbara's son is, is on yeah. this episode. <laughs> Barbara's, Barbara's son plays... Son. The French Resistance Man. Oh, awesome! Victor, right? Victor? No, not Victor. Victor? Uh, huh? No. Uh, what's his name? I I just looked it up. It, it's huh. weird because uh, I didn't remember his name, and I just realized no, his name is Hans in real life. Hans. Too. His name, yeah, his name is Hans. Yeah. Oh, right. The character's name was Hans, and his name was Hans. I, I, in fact, I just pulled up the IMDb, Terry, and I just realized he was in a movie with my wife a few years ago, and he played Hans. 
That's weird. So there's a theme it's there. Not really, though. There's a theme. It's the extended 12 monkeys verse. Those are the Forever Hans. <laughs> it's lovely to have Barbara and her son there. Hey, just to go off on like kind of a rabbit hole for a minute, this is something that I've always asked and I know other people have have brought up too. So Deacon comes out, right? He's kind of the one that um, saves the day as far as with the detonator. And he comes out and immediately hands it to Jennifer. Was that yeah. was that always the plan? Or like, even if it was or wasn't, it doesn't matter. That's what you did. Was there like a deeper meaning to that? Because their relationship has just always been like so, so core and so central to both of their development, really. Well, they're both the, they're both the, the, the outsider crazy ones. And I think and if he killed, he, he killed me and, and he killed, I mean, and, only also, once, <laughs> but he's also, but he it, feels it, bad about it. But when Jennifer says, wait a minute, we're going to save Hitler. That's the opposite of what you do with a time machine. I think he's there for that. Right. So he hears her say that. Yeah. Oh yeah. And mm-hmm. so he's like, yeah. I'm going to, you know, going to give this to my girl. Um, mm-hmm. and no, not a romantic girl. Um, but like this is his his sister. He loves her, you know. And then so he gives it. And I mean, just from a storytelling point of view, you want Jennifer Goins to be the one who actually kills Hitler. Like, if you're not, do, if <laughs> yeah. you're not doing that, then 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 what have you done, really? Uh, so she, I think she's that not going to overcomplicate it with a bunch of reasoning and and going down the wormhole, which is like, no, nope, this is what you do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but 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 Beef and Tina, do you do you want to talk to Emily about the Deacon uh, Jennifer relationship and get this off your chest? Well, I mean, what? not. I know what you're getting at, Terry. Um, no, they I mean, ship, they shipped them. We no, 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 no. Oh, I don't. I don't. No, we are just we have friends. <laughs> we are open to different people's passions. Um, but I, I mean, we would love to. I mean, it is something, particularly as you go back and rewatch it. It really is a wonderful friendship that um, you, as Beep said, you you can sort of trace. It's integral. It seems integral to both of their character development and you don't see a lot of those friendships on TV and I don't know how rare it is to be playing part of that but if you did have any thoughts sort of about the friendship between Deacon and Jennifer I think it is something people would love to to hear about well I, I think it does really spring from um from two places like one that he, he tells her but also um that well a relationship that that kind of goes I guess in reverse in a way from his mind is that like he knew her when she was older. So it's kind of like, you know, when you know, know somebody from when they were a baby, it's like the opposite of the same. Um, But I can tell you the only romantic, because a lot of people have always said like, tried to figure out what Jennifer, like who Jennifer would be with or something. Like you said before, Terry, that like you never like people having, sex and stuff in the apocalypse was weird. The only romantic relationship Jennifer ever would have is um, old Jennifer and Terry. Terry is secretly, and I'm giving out the secret. The turtle? Terry is legitimately, no, no, you are in love with old Jennifer. Oh, uh, yeah. You said, <laughs> that's who you want to marry. Uh, you are <laughs> madly in love that, with old Jennifer. Old, old, old Jennifer 
there there is a there there is a a, a wisdom to old Jennifer. I, I loved writing for old Jennifer is my favorite character probably. Yeah. Um, like she could have her own own show because she's past like all the craziness. You know what I mean? She's because she's literally seen death and uh, she gives no fine fuck. paradoxes. What'd you say? I said she gives no fucks. That's, That's exactly no what I <laughs> You know, um, and and has come around, you know, to self acceptance in a way that some human beings never do. You know, her saying "I love you" to herself mm-hmm. It's like, I mean, I'll probably never say that to me. Um, so mm-hmm. it's it's uh, yeah, old Jennifer is is she's just adorable. You just want to like pinch <laughs> those big cheeks of hers, those big prosthetic cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think I read somewhere, and Emily, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that you approach uh, Tatiana Maslany about playing multiple characters. Is that right? Oh, I did ask her when we were going to do all, well, the first time I was doing Old Jennifer, Hello Egg, I'm Chicken, with, which is, uh, here's a bit of trivia, Hello Egg is my production company, um, <laughs> which I got from Old Jennifer. But yeah, no, I asked her because I'd never done that before, and it was like any kind of tips tricks and and she did give me a lot of help and also what was even more help than any of that was that um i worked with Catherine. her the, the girl who played tatiana's double on mm-hmm. black came and played my double for all the scenes that i did with myself so that was a huge huge help oh that's awesome because she has obviously a lot of experience with that and i know that uh, tatiana oh yeah always praised her and kind of you know said like the reason that I'm as good as I am, like has so much to do with her and she doesn't get enough credit. Oh yeah. Can you imagine though, that she does that job? She does all the things that Tatiana does, all of them, but is not seen. Yeah. Like, not on a, screen. Yeah. Yeah. Emily, um, before, before you guys have to all head out, um, Jennifer, I mean, obviously the big concert in this episode, but also the season three opener of uh, 99 Red Balloons or sort of the Mary Tyler Moore walking through the city, you know, with the umbrella montage. Do you have sort of any favorite moments of where you just were like, this is so fun that this is my job? Oh my God. I mean, I say this all the time that like, uh, there is, and, and Todd and I were talking about this too on, he did, um, kind of a live Facebook thing, Facebook live thing. Um, that like what other, like for all of us, not, not just me, but like what other show do you get to play as an actor, play every time period, um, and play like act, play yourself older, younger, act with yourself, like unless you're in theater, you don't get to do this stuff. Um, and so the opportunity of this show, not just to do it, but to do it at the top of the game, like to get to do, like you're saying, the, the, um, this episode in, in this time period, like it to me never looked better on TV. Um, and so that, I mean, this is just a general answer to the question is like, it's all I every day and Terry can attest to this. I send him a bitmoji every day of being like, I miss Jennifer and like sad bitmoji face. And, um, but I guess my favorite, I feel like 99 list balloons was a, a departure moment. Cause I remember 
Carrie, the thing you set up for that. It was like this, it was like we entered into Jennifer's head in such a, a new way that we'd always kind of enter into her head through, uh, through movies and TV quotes. And like I said, I always felt Jennifer was always like playing a role. And this was finally Jennifer. And maybe this had something to do with in me. I always like to be in a musical. And, um, and I think when, um, Jennifer is under pressure, um, she will go there. And I feel like the way it was shot and the way it looked like, Everybody who I show that to or who sees that is like, holy shit, just can't get over the look of it, too, and how, like, amazing it looks. And we shot it in, like, you put up some walls and some confetti, and it was like, when you find out what the no budget we had for that and what Terry kind of did, um, yeah. Uh, anyways, that was, I guess, one, but there's so many. I'm going to cry, so... <laughs> No. I just I need to tell you before you have to go, like just as from person to person, because um, we haven't gotten the opportunity to state you're not a person. <laughs> <laughs> okay. From animal to animal. Okay, mm-hmm. perfect. From from unicorn to unicorn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Jennifer is is my favorite character for sure. Um, I have so much appreciation for just like what she embodies, and even though in the mythology of the show and canonically, you know, it ends up that she's not ill. She's not crazy. She's not any of that. There's still so many elements of mental illness that are presented. And as someone who's bipolar, I just want to tell you like, that's so meaningful. It's amazing um, what you did with it. And I know that, you know, part of that goes to the writers. There's so much in, in, in so many people involved in that, but like you just did amazing with it. And it's um, it was very impactful. Thank you. But, you know, that, that just reminds me that um, I didn't tell you this yet, Terry, but um, so I was just recently with um, my acting coach who who uh, helped me with 12 Monkeys and everything. And we were talking about this project I was doing. And she's like, you know, I believe that that projects come into your life for a reason. And I was saying that, yeah, like I agreed with her. And then she started, she, she said, um, you know, like, and Jennifer and 12 Monkeys, like, when that came into your life and how that changed. And she started crying, Terry, she started crying at like how much that was, how important that role was for me in my life. And it, it was in the same way that like you're talking about, I, I think, I think for mental health stuff and just for like being a person, <laughs> like you said, I wasn't a person, yeah. but I feel like Jennifer can just, that that kind of realization that that you always you always had it in you in your own back like that kind of uh, Wizard of Oz thing like you always knew even though everybody else was like saying you were crazy I do think crazy I really believe that from the beginning that crazy is kind of it's a specialness a sixth sense that you know something it's your you know something more um, anyway. Hey, I'm, I love Jennifer. No, I, I, it makes sense. I mean, but I would also look, I mean, it's it's also validation, I think, for the brand of Emily Hampshire, because I, I don't, I mean, I, you know, I've seen uh, you on Schitt's Creek. I've seen you do musical numbers on Schitt's Creek, but there's still something about Jennifer that feels like it's a, just a lot of Emily, you know? And Well, so I, that is true when people, when people meet me and, because and, and know me from Shit's Creek or and have seen Twelve Monkeys too. Like 
anybody I know says this, they're like, oh, you're, you're really not like Stevie and you're really like Jennifer, like Jennifer is definitely, yeah, sorry. Right. So, but I think, I think that's probably like, I mean, how amazing is it that the response to, to you is, I mean, uniformly like the fans love it, you know? And I think, (laughs) and and it, it also gave us a voice, you know, for Sean and, um, and us to be like, okay, we know she can do this kind of joke. So, and we know she can do this. So let's go, let's go e- even farther. Like, you know, Sean doing the, the, uh, the, the Jennifer play, like that could easily have not worked. Yeah. Like the, the only person really in the world who could do this stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we could have easily bombed out. And I, you know, I was, I was, you know, we were always kind of, I was always like, oh, we didn't go too far this time. But, um, I mean, I don't know. You guys should probably talk about that because I, I, I still think that's one of the great, I know we're past that episode, but that is one of the great Emily showcases. I always, I always wondered though, every season I remember I would say this to him, like, cause uh, I'd be like after, um, the Markridge thing on the desk, walking on the desk, I'm like, where, how can it get better than that? Then 99 loose balloons. I was like, well, now we've like, the, how can anything be better than that? And like every time you pull through and like, not only pull through, but it like always kind of popped itself in a way that I never thought they could, but it definitely, yeah, Jennifer, it is weird though. When you say like J- Jennifer is someone that I think people always kind of accept me to be like Stevie because she's much more cool normal um but um so yeah I feel like I got to express myself in a way that I feel like I'm a lot of the time too much in life and like I think Jennifer kind of gets that too and so I could at least be that way as Jennifer and blame it on her but that's really me (laughs) (laughs) well Stevie's my favorite too so I love Steve. I feel so lucky. Like, can you imagine though, again, as an actor that I got to do both these things at the same time? Like, and it's funny now doing interviews where people regularly ask me like, Oh, do you like doing comedy or drama better? And I'm like, you know, I feel like I had some of the most comedic moments I've ever had in 12 monkeys, which was like a show you wouldn't call a comedy and, and some of the most serious things in, in Schitt's Creek. So to me, that's like, it's, um, I love both of them. Um, yeah. I feel like, I always say this too, like Stevie feels like a vacation from myself. That's why mm-hmm. I feel like I get to sit behind the desk and play Sudoku and watch people. And, and Jennifer feels like I can let that monkey out of the cage for a minute. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah she, you guys got to ask her about the end of the show. Which her view, her point of view on the end of the show. By the way, I, I say that not knowing the answer. Uh, Wait, what's my point of view? What is it? On the end of the show. Well, they ask, a, they ask a thing of all their guests, which is what do you Oh, yeah. Know? Red Forest or no? Oh, oh. Oh, I used to think. I mean, I thought, I thought, I don't know what I thought. What did I think? I used to think something. I think I used to think, no. Uh, I can't. Oh, okay. I have to decide though. I'm not good with decisions. <laughs> you got to cut decisions. You know, the word decision, the root of it comes from decision is slicing something in half. So you have to, it's like you cut it, cut it in half. 
and I, and then you have to only take one. I would like to take, cut it in half and take both, like save one for later, like eat one now, save it for later. <laughs> nope. Nope. I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of, I mean, it's a perfect uh, Emily answer for yeah. that. You mean you want to have both things at once? Oh, shut yeah, up. No, I could have one Sean. thing. Sean trying to get the red forest out of you. Uh, uh, my watch. <laughs> you know, there is a great moment. You know, we basically had an existential crisis talking about the last episode that Christopher Lloyd was in after. Um, there was a great um, uh, exchange between Deacon and Jones in this episode where they both it's almost an answer to the last episode in some ways, or I think you could take it as, as such when they're at the bar before they join the group and they basically embrace that they are both coming to an end and find that empowering and find freedom in that. Mm. And rewatching it, I thought that what a great bookend in some ways or, or a response to the way we ended the last episode, right? With, with Shaw kind of pushing Cassie to a point where she's like, yeah, actually that does sound good. Um, and I never caught that sort of rewatching it. Um, I don't know if you guys had sort of show to rewatch. <laughs> yeah. There's so, so much is hidden along the way. Um, you guys did a great mm-hmm. job. I mean, there's stuff in like 301 that's in 310 or, you know, 301 that's in 409 and just it's crazy that certain lines that seem like they're throwaway come to mean so much later on um ring the bell i actually think that climbing up to ring the bell the main thing aside from like the whole kind of crux of the show was that there is a time when we have to climb steps in Prague, and there were so many steps and it was hot and there were so many steps and i think carrie just wanted me to climb all these steps over and over, over and, and over, over again. again. Yeah. So that yeah. was the whole point of yeah. that. Um, we want to hear sort of what you all are working on um, right now or next, but we had one really quick mythology question for Sean and Terry that had come up that folks wanted us to ask. And um, I don't know if you had a chance to – we were going around and around. One of the things when you go back and rewatch the show in the last episode, when Cassie asks, you know, what happens after, and you showed us actual footage of the quote unquote after of this story, what's the sort of canon, if there is one explanation for why Cole saw sort the of gym. the vi- It's because he's the gen. He's okay. the center of it all, um, and always has been. So, yeah. No, I listened to I listened to your last podcast, and I have thoughts. <laughs> Are those thoughts you want uh, to share now or off? <laughs> well, it, it, it was interesting. One of the comments, Sean, which I, I it was a very pro Red Forest ending from Selena. Is that is that who who yeah was on, right with Selena? And um, shocking, yeah. You, know, you should you should. You should hear the mental gymnastics she goes through to try and make it rationalize. It's the red forest. Like it, the, what you, ha- it's almost Trumpian in a way, how people are like, want the red forest. They'll be like, they'll be like, well, you know, the red, the red forest wants you to believe the red forest. <laughs> make, the, make the red feel. forest red again. Guys, <laughs> those hats are red. <laughs> God. I didn't think about oh that. My God. Um, I also have, and I'm hoping this is going to work. I have one more surprise for you all today. 
that um, um, somebody else just came but, in. Yeah, this is my this is my other surprise. Um, say hi, surprise. Oh, hi, hi, surprise. I'm Hi, oh, surprise to you. I'm just calling to find out how much everyone really enjoyed working with Amanda Shule, uh on the show. Amanda Shule. <laughs> Amanda Shule. I'm Amanda Shule, and I can do uh, So on a scale of one to ten, is that I just need I just need an answer. The people are demanding answers, and I need to give them what they want. Uh, I mean, like a six point five. Five, <laughs> like above average. Well, wait, wait, what season? Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. Cumulatively. <laughs> Were you, did you the hear curve. the part? I guess you weren't on listening when there was a part where we were talking about you and your Nazi um, um No, no, she talk about it. No, I missed okay, that. Okay, but I just... Well, what I I did. Do you remember when I had that as my screensaver on my phone for a while? <laughs> I do remember you, your that wardrobe picture for that. So yeah, that was my um, what 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 that, what, what? that dream, uh, Emily. Remember, it was like the most beautiful. Oh my god! No, no, <laughs> no. Also, yes, okay, we'll, we'll leave we'll leave that as an inside joke. Okay, so but yeah. my takeaway uh, from that dream, though, Emily, was that you went into your trailer and had an uninterrupted five hour nap. I've like that's how long I sleep at night. Who takes a five hour nap? Yeah, that's me. You have a lot. I feel like somebody needs to make a coffee table book of every show I've ever been on. I I can just sleep anywhere. It's a talent. I can sleep anywhere. I actually recently I sleep. I I fell asleep in an interview that was online, and they the way they cut it, they tried to cut it out, but my head kept nodding, and people think I'm on drugs, but I'm not. I'm just <laughs> napping. So there. Is that's that's yeah, uh that where thing. I get it? Yeah, that's probably the closest to old Jennifer you get is your ability to just <laughs> lie down anywhere, to nod off, yeah, and just yeah. sleep and but not just sleep like snore, like no, false, false. Yes, yes. Do you remember false. the time in Prague when you fell asleep and you woke up and you were you were we had turned you into like a buffet table? We put all that food on you. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. I also remember the time when you put by the craft. Chuck, you blew up a childhood picture of mine where I stole candy at Halloween from this other kid who's crying behind me, and you blew it up and you said, "Don't let this girl near the craft table." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, oh, um, Amanda. Oh, can me yeah, and Amanda? Back to me. Uh, I called me. in, guys. Back to me. Yeah, back yeah. to Amanda. Um, we- Amanda, <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about the butt shot. Let's talk about. Let's talk about your <laughs> Nazi lingerie. Yeah, but I think that I think that our um, I think that the compromise was that Emily cropped my head out of it, so you couldn't totally tell. Well, maybe you didn't. Maybe you. Oh, uh, you tell told me I had to. At first, I did, and then you told me I had to, so I just zoomed in. And then, oh, okay, just, you're yeah. Um, also, huh. Amanda, here's a bit of um, BTS. Is Amanda and I maintain a healthy relationship on Instagram by sending mm-hmm. each other. Uh, gross <laughs> medical pictures, and then we have to find a pun about them. Healthy relationship. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Healthy relationship. Um, I know. If anyone yeah. got a hold of my phone and the content that I follow on yeah. Instagram, I'd I'd probably they think you were a serial killer. Yeah, no, I definitely, definitely have people show up at my door to ask some questions. But in particular, it would be the the seriously important content that you and I swap back and forth. 
yes. Um, yes. Amanda, <laughs> what was your reaction yes. in the script uh, uh, when you read that you would be coming out in lingerie and a Nazi cap? <laughs> well, you know what's funny is that I remember you, so you and Sean wrote that episode, and um, which is probably why Sean's on the phone. Hi, Sean. And um, With Sarah Mueller, another writer as well. Uh, her first oh, okay, yes, okay. was our writer's um, assistant as well. And um, hi. 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 Um, all. I didn't even say hi. I just kind of bombarded into the conversation. Um, and I read it and I didn't think anything of it. I just thought like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. And then you came up to me, Terry, and you said, um, um, so what do you think about that? Will you do it? And then, and then that's that how I said it. Oh, questioning it. So creepy. That's when I was like, well, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> maybe Terry knows something that I don't know. Does he have like a vision that I wasn't in? Like then I started to get concerned about what you had up your um, imagination sleeve. And I'm so glad you said <laughs> imagination. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, when I first read it, I was like, "Oh yeah, cool. Diversion tactic makes total sense." It didn't. It didn't phase me. And then, and then when you said something about it, I thought maybe it should be phasing me. And then when we started to get into wardrobe consultations, it really started phasing mm-hmm. me. And then when we got to Prague and I realized that the only thing I could eat were potatoes and danishes, then it really started to concern me because I <laughs> And then you saw my like phone. <laughs> well, I started Everybody was concerned. drinking in Prague too, which is bloats you and you can't do that. Yeah, yeah. But the, I, they're not, I don't eat meat and they're not a big vegetarian country. And we were staying at that hotel the second time around in Prague. We were staying at that hotel that had that bakery built in and they made pastries right in front of your face every day. And um, I, and also the catering in Prague was delicious. So that was disappointing. I, I think I probably could have been a little bit more toned up than I was, but... Yeah, that's oh when God, I started Amanda, I'm Yeah. Just one of those things when it, it, the day came, I was like, oh, right, this. Yikes. And I started doing squats like that afternoon, like that was going to do anything for me. So that's how I felt. I purposely that really ate as Jennifer to, because um, I felt her character um, would be just. You're uh, so messy. Yeah. Actually, that's true. Whenever I had to eat snacks, I. I'd eat them in between takes, and you'd be like, Emily, no, Emily, no. <laughs> no, the no, Emily, was every time I tried to take a picture of you, and you'd give me this sort of, like, like doe-eyed, very sweet, loving look, but it just didn't translate well on film. It did Oh, my God. Hey, Amanda, since we have you here, do you want to do some webisodes about coronavirus? No. Are you? (laughs) (laughs) Hearts breaking everywhere. We need to hear from Dr. Rayleigh about how we're supposed to, what are we supposed to do in a pandemic? Should I I take over the position of the health czar? No. You mean you don't want to be the face of this? (laughs) (laughs) It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. I know. I was telling Terry that I see that, that little slogan everywhere and I I guess, I mean, obviously, we're not the first to have um, coined that, but it just reminds me of that very first day in Detroit, whenever I hear that, sadly, 
that reminds me of, it is a little too close to home, isn't it, guys? Uh, yes. Yeah. Disturbing. I'm also really yeah. m- missing Dr. Rayleigh's extreme competence. <laughs> Leadership. <laughs> oh. We, we could definitely use some of that and maybe a little less um, bullshit and lies right now. That's for sure. Yeah. Also, people sure. should just start washing their hands. Like, how about that? <laughs> that's, that's, that's a new thing in 2020. Yeah, we just did episode one right now. Uh, yeah. Right. Well, that's what I don't understand. So maybe I am like jumping into the coronavirus webisode situation. But like... The, the number one recommendation on how to stave this off is to wash your hands. And people, instead of just washing their hands, are like trying to buy $200 pure all online and masks. Just wash your hands. Wash your hands better, people. Yeah. Get your hands out of your face and in your eyeballs, you stickos. Wow. That is pure Amanda Scholl right there, guys. <laughs> wash your hands. Wash your hands. Um, one of the questions from the last episode that they did a podcast on was the uh, the butt stuff, um, butt stuff <laughs> only reaction, and they asked. Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. I think you knew it was coming, right? They said it was that Amanda Schultz's honest reaction. Yes, no, it is was, your honest reaction. It is my but, honest reaction, but no, no, no. It was that was written. It was in the script. Yes. Yeah, I, I wrote that. It in. was in the script because you <laughs> thought it was the funniest thing that you had ever written in your you entire career. It, yeah. And it it was. It really is. <laughs> yeah, guys I and poop jokes it. and butt jokes. Yeah. High bar, yeah. twelve monkeys. Um, uh, no, but I also remember definitely that definitely not because... a poop joke. Let me be clear about this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I have a delayed, resented act- reaction to that. Um, the poop choke. No, because Terry, I also remember that because we were discussing um, various choreography for that scene. And oh yeah, the, yeah. so it could. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, what she's saying is it, it couldn't have, it sh- it couldn't be from behind. <laughs> or, else, or else it was too close to home. <laughs> yeah, or else the joke. Yeah, then it wouldn't be a joke. joke. No, <laughs> that, that was the concern. That would have been a little too on the ass at that point. <laughs> no, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't think Cassie knows that position. So Yeah, yeah. That that's Cassie in your mind is such a prude, but okay. <laughs> uh, let's not go there because I recall uh-huh. a certain conversation we all had with Aaron Stanford in which you um, specified uh, oh, how often a, special occasion. <laughs> <laughs> a specific act would occur involving the mouth. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh, oh I'm going so much you're saying that out. Um yeah, exactly. Literally. But no, that was because we were discussing like, you know, their also like people don't shower a lot in the apocalypse, you know? It's like yeah. you really uh, oh No, you need to take all the factors into consideration. Hygiene, wash your hands and your <laughs> stuff, you know. I feel like we all need to wash our hands right now. Because of this conversation. I need to wash my mind's eye. I washed my hands of this conversation. Yeah. Sorry, everyone. I just called into class up the phone conversation. This is honestly the best. Like having uh, having both of you guys on when the 
you know, the you and your hand scene is pretty much our like one of our favorite feminist like heck yeah yeah women's day emily it is yeah oh my god that's such a good idea to couple it with hey hey amanda happy woman's day hey emily happy woman's day to you (laughs) thanks thanks so much yeah since you're both on since you're both on on this day do you guys have any thoughts sort of about um i know different people have come on and talked about this but just i I, we just posted on our twitter account all of the amazing female characters from this show just to celebrate international women's day you know we're i feel like we're still waiting for a show that matches not only the number of really important female characters but just the depth and how different they all were do you have sort of either of you have any thoughts just not only about your characters, but playing off of all of the other really interesting women that were part of the story. I agree with that. I can't think of anyone on 12 Monkeys, any female character who wasn't strong and somebody I wouldn't find beautiful qualities that I would love to have. I mean, even down to the witness, down to Allison's, you know, many iterations of her character throughout every single season had such poise and strength in certain situations, whether you loved her or hated her, every single character on the show was created, you know, most of them created by men and embodied by women in such a bold, strong way that I've never seen on another show. And I, I think especially now what I find interesting is that was kind of, Terry created these women at a time when like no one was telling you you had to create uh, a certain amount of women like you actually just because of the woman in you you just had to um make these you just made all these amazing female characters because that's what you just naturally do which i find so interesting i i i appreciate that i mean but it's it's sean it's chris it's it's Kristen, it's Oliver, you know, the Travis, you know, from at the very beginning, he's the one who wrote that line, the first monologue, uh, Cassie's first monologue. So it, it, um, it's definitely a group, but I you know what's weird is, and Sean, and I, and I think I said this before, but like, we never, like, we didn't set out to do it. It was just never to the characters we wanted to write. We were never like, what if it's a strong female villain or uh. just, this is a strong, it was just like, just write it good. Jennifer, you did Sorry. say, I think, to make it not as, because that was a character that was already in the thing. So to make that not Jeffrey going, like, just make it a woman. I don't know. Well, I, Jeffrey, I have no point. That, I, that was a kind yeah. decision. <laughs> I, we, no, you're I right. Mean, we, we never once had a conversation of, about, like, let's, you know, let's lean into, like, a certain representation. We just, these were real people to us and especially after season one when they became real people when we saw the performances uh it was just what would they do you know mm-hmm. and uh so it was never like everything in Diglocka is just what would these characters do not what do we want them to do it's it's mm-hmm. them it's four seasons of them eventually starting to write themselves towards like you know, of course, we do the J.H. Bond thing because that's Jennifer. And, you know, of course, Rayleigh's at a point where she's going to do something out of the box for her. Like, it just became part of them. Like, it was never a, <laughs> a you know, puppeteer anything. It's just that's who they became. 
I think also that you have to take into consideration the fact that you all did a hell of a job with casting. Every single person that came onto that show, I was impressed and excited by, you know, male or female, but in particular, the women that you found, because we didn't necessarily have big names come on the show. We, We were fortunate enough to have a handful of names, but you found some people who were just so perfectly suited and so perfectly interesting who worked in our world, not just with your words and with the material, but also with, you know, the dysfunctional monkey family that we had created. You know, we're still friends, all of us after the show, which speaks volumes of how you were able to find people that just melded so seamlessly, you know, with their character and with our, our little gang. I miss that gang. Yeah, it's a gang. There's a good gang. Since we have you both on, one, if we sort of think back, one of the sort of unexpected pleasures, especially when you go back and rewatch the show, is the, at least when it started out, can we say unlikely friendship between Cassie and Jennifer um, <laughs> starting out with who's this bitch, um, uh, <laughs> you know, and going through sort of bodies of water and bodies two. of water. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then going all the way, you know, we're headed toward what I thought one of the most poignant scenes at the end of, of season four is when, you know, Jennifer's ripped up her hands and Cassie is binding them up and they're both grieving Deacon. And you just sort of right. realize how far this friendship has come. And we'd love to hear both of your thoughts about their, their friendship. Emily, would you like to start? Well, the only reason I'd like to start is I feel like you're going to, I'd like to, I don't want to go after something that makes sense and is smart and everything like that. So, um, um, I, I mean, I do think 12 Monkeys was actually the first show or thing that I worked on that, um, I felt that not only on, on, uh, in, in the character, like in the, in the writing with our relationship, but like pretend, Amanda, pretend you're not here. I felt that was Amanda on set, like as, um, a female on set who, who I felt that was uh, Barbara too, that we were all like, supportive of each other and usually I think a lot of the time women on set are, are kind of ca- like thought of and cast as like cat fighting and so and there was never any of that and so to have episodes actually where our characters would like grow to care about each other in the way that um, I did about Amanda. Amanda didn't about me but I really loved Amanda <laughs> so that felt really good. Uh, now, go ahead, Amanda. You answer. Um, ditto. But also, I think that um, I specifically remember a couple of days on, um, I think it was Bodies of Water, and then there was another day where you and I were sitting in a car. It was just starting to get cold. Oh. Pierre was complaining about how cold it was. Um, <laughs> and I'm trying to remember... Which thing we were wait we were waiting for somebody to come out. We were sitting in the car and we were waiting for somebody to come out of something, out of some sort of a warehouse. That was the scene. Oh, I, I totally we were, remember this. The car. We were waiting for the car to come out with Deacon and everybody mm-hmm. freezing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I remember being really struck by how comfortable I was being uncomfortable with you. You know, which I think is <laughs> really no, but I mean that actually, like in in a delicate way like not like in like a goofy 
awkward way. I mean, yeah. like, you know, part of, um, part of being an actor is being vulnerable. And if you feel really guarded with your acting partner in a scene, it's really hard to just wear your heart on your sleeve and not force it, not force an emotion, not play at it, not pretend like you're feeling sad or angry or whatever it is. And I remember feeling so comfortable being vulnerable with you and, and that I hope I allowed you that same space because the two of, the two of us and our two characters had so many opportunities for them to show what was underneath all the layers. And that was why Cassie grew to care about Jennifer because she realized that she was broken and that she wasn't maniacal and that she wasn't doing what she was doing for these, um, you know, vindictive or horrible reasons. She was doing it because she was broken and, and so to be able for you to have your best performance, I needed to show up for you and you needed to show up for me. And that's just, I remember thinking that that was a really, um, a really lovely opportunity that I had to work with you. Mm. Oh, guys, do you want to do a reboot? That's big now. People love doing <laughs> reboots now. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie, didn't you have an idea that you said was per, are you are you allowed to say or willing to say you had an idea for a continuation of the story that was percolating? Uh yes, I do. I mean, they'll ne- it'll never happen, but yeah, there is a way to good old optimistic Terry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do another. Do another. There is a way to do another series. That's um. That's were they were that's, they trying to escape the red forest? Now? Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> okay, I can tell you who won't be on staff. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but 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 I think you know it's interesting. But I I wouldn't do it because I I do think Twelve Monkeys is the perfect ending. So. Um, it it's that is still the end of that story, and this is the beginning of a different one, but with these mm-hmm. characters. So it it that wouldn't step on it. it yeah, wouldn't you don't want like, to say it a disservice. Yeah, it's not like the witness is back and they got to get back in action. Right. No, it's a whole different thing. No, um, people wouldn't appreciate that either. Yeah, so um, that is why. Um, yeah, I think there is a series actually that has kind of I think part of it is uh my inability to, to let the show go um for sure but you know what I mean there are good sequels so um maybe you heard it here at the very, maybe at the at the very <laughs> at the very least web, we'll do some webisodes I mean I know I, I know I know Emily's down I know Todd's down that's about it no that's peer pressure <laughs> Amanda right there yeah I wasn't invited I can be the boom operator. We definitely, <laughs> we definitely need to hear from the world's leading virologist, I think, at this time. <laughs> um, t- before we let you guys go, tell us, tell us where we can see you next or hear your words next. Emily. <laughs> Emily, um, you go. Okay. Okay. Um, well, uh, uh, Creek is um, a show that's on the air now until we're doing our final season and so there's um that coming up the end is coming and um i'm about to go shoot this new um stephen king series um 
which I'm very yeah, excited about. Is that, about a, is that a limited run or is that a, yes, posted about it? And yeah, I said, it's 10 that's episodes. so exciting. Emily, that's so Yeah, I, I'm really like the, it's set in 1850 and I get to wear a corset and, and be a. Where are um, you shooting that? Nova Scotia. Ooh, Burr, have fun. That's um, really great. Emily, yeah. can, can, we, can we hear a little bit of your, your Victorian <laughs> Um really eager to hear what you're going to do. What does it sound like? Tell us, please. I believe you hear. have a voice note of that. So there you go. You, you, I sent you a I want to hear. Do it. No, Terry. I'm not prepared. You have to tune in to see that. So that's a long Just watch time. little Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins, and you got it. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, oh, my God. You're so right, Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Amanda, I know where, where people can see you next. Yeah, do you want to share that for me on my behalf? No, you go ahead. <laughs> okay. This Friday, March 13th, I um, am in an episode of MacGyver. Thank you to Terry Metalis. I had a really fun time. So that's the very next time I will be um, invading people's screens. I said she gets I, 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 Henry Ian Cusick. Yeah, he goes by Ian. Do you call him Henry Ian? Ian. Well, the, but the but the folks at home know him as... Um, as Henry Ian. Yeah. Desmond from Lost. Yeah. And do you know do you know that he after shooting Lost, he stayed in Hawaii. He lives there. So his commute to Atlanta for work was a challenge. Um but that's I'm from Hawaii also. So that was really exciting to to work with him and um and find that common ground. He's a lovely man. And Amanda gets to play a doctor again. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Sean? Uh, we just started uh, season three of Mayans MC, which I'm an EP on. Um, so very excited uh, to do that. Hopefully we can do that before there's any sort of strike. Um, oh. And uh, I get the direct this year, which is which is cool, which will be fun. Um, so, yeah, that'll be out in September. When do you start your directing? Which episode? Episode seven. So we're it's, okay. like right now we're just in a mad dash to get script done so that yeah 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 but we're close we're we're working on that one this week so congratulations sean that's great yeah awesome that's awesome and terry how's picard going um it's good and it's ironically our our neighbor is sean chetta we're we're at the same we work across the street Uh, from each other now we literally walk across the street from each other where and then on picard is you know i'm working with chris monfett and travis fickett so it's uh, there's a lot of monkeys right there in Santa Clarita. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's going great. We start shooting uh, June fifteenth, and um, it is not not what you think. Let's put it that way. It's an interesting. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty cool. I'm excited. When I think back to what I love about Diglaka and I think about sort of the epic montage with you and Emily, but then you restart the episode and it's this incredibly tense, like you feel the tension with people being lined up and shot. Mm. It couldn't mm-hmm. be any higher stakes that are truly terrifying. But that was the line that 12 Monkeys Walk, maybe not the first couple of episodes once we got our groove that was a line that the writers and you know terry um d- developed the, and the producers it, you know everybody understood that 
it was a really interesting, um, unique entity all onto its own that, you know, we would have these moments of very tense, uh, high stakes. And then Jennifer Goins would say something completely absurd to let the air out of it a little bit, just so that you could ramp it back up again, because you can't have 42 minutes of just that sort of drama. People will fatigue, I think. And I think that they did a really good job of understanding that. Because some shows, especially over the past couple of years, have done that. And I know at least for Tina and I, like at the end of all that, we hated it. I mean. Yeah, it's tiring, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, particularly when the world is going to hell. It's it's not. Yeah. <laughs> you need a little a little bit of balance. Yeah. 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 You want to be able to relate to things. And hopefully nobody's day is completely full of angst and drama and, you know, exhaustion. Every once in a while, you have to have a laugh about something or at least find the humor in something. That's what makes humanity humanity. Yeah, yeah I think those are the times that people need to laugh the most. Yeah, exactly. To be able to keep going. Yeah. yeah. It's also just not realistic. I mean, we've been sitting here cracking pandemic jokes, even though it's obviously something that's very serious, but there's just uh, how else do you cope, right? When the news is not great. Yeah. Um, Thank you guys so much for being so generous with your time this morning and surprise guest. I mean, Man, having Emily and Amanda on along with two of the writers that wrote one of basically everyone who listens favorite episodes of TV is just <laughs> really special. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for letting me crash, guys. <laughs> anytime. <laughs> you just let us know. We will talk to you anytime. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Let's do this again, friends. And there you have it. Just want to say a huge thank you again to Emily, Amanda, Terry, and Sean for spending your Sunday morning with us right after you had already lost an hour from the time jumping forward. It's it's all very confusing. It seems like that was actually appropriate for this conversation. Our next episode will be 407 Daughters, and Chris Monfett will be back as the writer to break that one down. Until next time, we'll see you soon. <laughs>